listening to She Rises, a podcast dedicated to women who are ready to stop settling and start living their lives by design. If you're ready to talk about the stuff that weighs you down and get practical advice on everything from your health, body image, spirituality, relationships, and personal growth, then you're in the right place. Hello, I'm Giovanna Capoza, your host, master coach, spiritual teacher, and mind-body expert, and I'm on a mission to unsettle women all over the world. Are you ready to rise? Hey, everyone, and welcome again to another episode of She Rises. I'm your host, Giovanna Capoza, and I'm so happy that you took the time to join us here today. Today on the show, we have a pretty awesome topic. Of course, I probably say that every week. That's because I love all my guests and I love all the topics on the show. This one in particular touches us all. You know, this is one we just cannot get away from, and it is the topic of money. I'm here with Kelly Allinger. She is a money coach and she is the founder of ReconcileYourWallet.com. And Kelly knows exactly what it's like to overcome your money and financial debt demons. She was at one point in her life over $77,000 in consumer debt, which she resolved in a really short period of time, about a year and 10 months. It took her to pay all of that off. And after that, she was compelled to start helping others claim their personal finances. So as a coach and through her blog, Kelly helps others take control of their money while becoming ultra clear on what their overarching personal goals are. And we go into a lot of detail in this interview and talk about why those goals are so important and why the vision you have for your life and and even the desire you have for what it is that you want to spend the money on can help clear up so much confusion. We go into some practical tips and some really great stories, and hopefully you guys will get some laughs from this as well. So I really hope you enjoy the interview, and as always, please get to SheRisesPodcast.com where you can get to the show notes and find out more information about our guest, and more importantly, leave a comment and continue the conversation. And as always, if you love this show and if it served you well, won't you go ahead and share it with one of your friends? I'm sure they will be grateful to have it, and I would love to have them with us here. And without further ado, here's our next guest, Kelly Ollinger. Hey, Kelly, welcome to the show. Thank you. So glad to have you on here. Uh, As I mentioned to you in our little brief discussion before we went live on air here is you're our first money guru on the show. And I'm really excited to have you here because I think this is such an important topic. I think our relationship with money and our wealth consciousness and where we come to with our whole money story uh, and come from even from our whole money story, it just plays such a part in controlling so much of our lives. So I'm really, really happy to have you here. I'm really excited that you're going to share your knowledge, wisdom, and insights with us. So thank you again. Thank you for having me. Yeah, great. So like I like to start off with a a lot of people is, is with their story. So will you share with us your story. How is it that you came to be a money coach and and how is it that you learned from your own experiences? Well, Giovanna, I learned the really hard way, um, which really created my passion for what I'm doing now. Essentially, um, I, I started my career outside of university in uh, residential real estate, which is 
very business driven. You're operating yourself as an independent contractor. Um, so your income is solely dependent on, you know, when you sell something and, um, it, with no money knowledge, that's a really dangerous position to be in. So I early on linked up with a mentor in the real estate industry and she helped me operate my business, but primarily handled the finances. So what I didn't realize at the time was that it was kind of another moment in my history that that I wasn't learning to manage the money. So it, what ended up happening is slowly over time, um, debt started to build. And in real estate, I wanted to present myself as a really um, professional and together person. And I felt that letting anyone in on what was going on for me was sort of like, you know, taking my mask off and letting people know what what was really going on. And, and I felt that meant failure. So slowly over time, I was getting farther and farther behind. So credit card debt started building, line of credit started building. I did began, begin to track my money and I thought I was really diligent in doing that. And I think over a period of three years, I tracked every cent using an app, but it just kept, kept getting worse and I couldn't figure out what the missing piece was. So at one point, I ended up with $77,000 in consumer debt on various credit cards and lines of credit. Wow. Yeah, wow. It was a big number. Um, you can imagine the interest payment on that was massive. And, you know, I had nothing more to borrow. And nobody around me, not even the closest people to me, knew what was going on. So I ended up at an acquaintance's home, acquaintance slash friend, and ironically, something about this topic of money came up and I don't know that I let her in, but she must've picked up on my, my body language, maybe my demeanor that it was heavy on my conscience. And she started digging as to what was going on. And I felt like a child in school, but she actually asked me to sit in front of her and take a pencil from her hand and write down what I owed. And I was mortified, like, as you can imagine, I was doing everything in my power to hide it from everyone around me. I guess just thinking eventually I was going to figure it out, or maybe I was going to hit the lottery or, or just make more and it would go away. And uh, she had me sit there in line by line, write out like, you know, credit card A has this much and credit card B and so on. And, uh, you know, I just cowered, like looking into her eyes, waiting for her to think, you know, you're an idiot. How did you do this? And then she made me write down all my expenses, which I did. And I pushed back. It took a lot of force on her part. And I didn't understand at the time what she was trying to do. But she really believed that my, the secret of it was the bigger part than actually the money. Because she said, unless you let this out and let people in to what's going on, it will never change for you. So she had me write expenses down and then she um, critiqued them and she was, I'm not going to say mean, but forceful and I needed it. And she said, you need to, you know, cut this back, cancel this, realign this. And she was just trying to create excess money to help me then funnel money to the debt. So it was one of those moments. And I think Giovanna, with your own story um, that I've heard, you can probably relate. You could face a challenge and be told how to make the change, but there's something about the timing that your body gets the energy to go for it. And for whatever reason with what that woman did to me that day, it was just this in internal energy that I went, now I'm going for it. I'm going to take this thing, you know, down. So at that point I did, I got a second job. 
I started eliminating expenses. I started reading about personal finance. Like I started to understand that in my household, we didn't grow up talking about money. We'd never budgeted money. So my problem wasn't what I was earning. It was that I didn't know how to manage what I was earning at all. And once that started to shift for me, it's like it clicked. I had the energy to go for it. I decided full tilt, like I put, I just put my social life on hold. I didn't want to do a five or 10 year pay off the debt plan. I wanted to make it end and get on with life and get on with building. So it was after that and how empowered I felt that I thought there's got to be other people out there like me, that it's not about being a bad person. It's about just not understanding the concept because the education is very limited from what I understand. As far as I know, in many school systems, it's not taught Um, many households it's not taught and credit is too prevalent. So that's sort of the reason uh, for my business was that I learned so much and felt I wanted, where in residential real estate, I didn't have that giving back factor. That was just me. I know that some people, certainly helping people find a home is um, giving back, but it didn't light me up inside. And this just makes me feel so good when I'm working with people and I see that stress dissipate. Mm-hmm. It's well, there's a purpose, but like a, a real purpose. It feels like you're this is part of your life's purpose almost because you've gone through such a relationship with it. That's right. Yeah. I heard you say some amazing things there. And I want to thank you for vulnerably and transparently ch- sharing your story because that's the first piece, I think, for any thing in our life that is going out of control is actually speaking it, admitting it, and asking for help. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's such shame around the money piece for so many people. You were speaking and I was kind of remembering what I went through in my 20s. And, you know, I didn't thankfully have that much debt. um, But I was always aware that I was living beyond my means and spending too much money and and a lot of shame around that, a lot of shame around, you know, not knowing how to manage my money and letting it get out of control and feeling like I was always lacking somehow, like I never had enough money for this and I never had. And, And I say that I experienced the, you know, that in my 20s and yet, you know, I didn't really start to heal that relationship with money until like not that long ago because I see how it sort of evolved throughout my whole life. And I went from being like really, really good with money, but I, looking back, see that being really good with money to me was kind of having fear around it and not spending it. So it's like, it was in the bank, but that's where it was. And it was like, okay, good, it's there, you know? <laughs> yeah. And and that in itself is not a wealth consciousness. That's not a wealthy mentality either, because you're being stingy. You're still coming from a place of scarcity to where I was in my 20s, where I was sort of spending willy-nilly and just like, yeah, it'll come, you know? And right. so I love that you shared that piece around the shame of it and you had you kind of had to get down into the darkness of it, right? And have someone point it out to see, to, to start making a change, right? It was, yeah, that piece was huge for me. I was so embarrassed in all the moments where you're using, you know, a credit card and, and it, declines and you've got to do the oh oh it must be you know expired that must be the reason this just happened because it's humiliating mm-hmm. I've never I, said that <laughs> not me I've I, never done that <laughs> yeah, right. and I think too because of credit 
I think it's easy to look, um, and it's very much like a social media thing. It's very easy to look outside of yourself and believe that everyone has it figured out because they have the nice car and the nice house. And so you, it's easy internally to think, what is wrong with me that I can't get this? They have it figured out when in reality, perhaps they don't. Yeah, I would venture to say many people that look like they have it figured out don't um, because it, there is such secrecy around you. You know, I grew up um, with a huge scarcity mentality. Like I, I, I talk about it now in a joking way, but I actually remember at the time when this happened, I just, I was so angry. And the story goes like this. Like I, I grew up, my children, my children, my parents were children of the Great Depression. So they grew up in a time where scarcity was was real. Like it was a real thing. Like they had to think about every meal that they ate and every amount of money they came in. And then, of course, they immigrated to Canada where, you know, they weren't rolling in it. They didn't come with an inheritance. They still Mm -hmm. came as these children from the Great Depression and had to really build from zero. So Mm -hmm. they, they had that experience of life, which made them very cautious and very practical around money, but also very fearful around money, but because they had to, right? It was a matter of survival. So that way of being transferred into the household, it transferred into me being a child and always hearing my parents arguing about money, right? They were always arguing about money. My dad was always like, you're spending too much money on this. He didn't believe on spending money on anything fun or frivolous. You know, my mom had to kind of account for everything she spent money on. And it was a it, what I call a really toxic environment around money. It was a lot of fear. And I remember being a little kid and kind of being in my room and crying. And I'd, I'd sit under my desk and I'd hear my parents arguing about money. And I would cry because I was convinced that we were like a week or two away from being like on the breadline. Like I, mm-hmm. I was convinced that we were going to be homeless in a few weeks because that is the level of fear and anxiety that my my dad mainly um, injected into the household. Mm-hmm. And so fast forward to I'm, you know, more grown up. I'm, I'm 18 or 19 years old and my parents have gone on vacation to Italy. And for the first time, I was like, what is it? Planting my flag and saying, forget it. I'm a I'm a teenager now. I'm almost an adult. I'm, I'm not coming with you. And they, you know, I'm denied a bit. And they said, fine, you can stay home with your older sister. And they they put us in fine in charge of the finances. So when the bills come in, because they were going for several months, you know, here's the bank account, pay the bills. And I was like, all right. So Miss Responsible, go to the bank with the bills and back in the day when there was people still use bank books and I, I went and I I went to pay the bills and I got the bank book balance and I saw how much money at the time my, my father had in the bank which was well in the plus six figures and I remember being so angry because it wasn't that many years ago in fact my dad was still behaving the same way around money and finances and injecting that fear and I thought Oh my God, like I was, because I grew up and even then at that age was, oh my God, this is really like, this is desperate. These are desperate times. Like we have to, and it wasn't so. So I really adopted that. And as much as I had that realization and that fear, that scarcity mentality and that like fear around money and that toxic relationship of like, ah, screw it. I'm going to spend it to no, 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 save it. Mm-hmm. like was this push pull so I went on a little bit there with that story but I, it because it really resonates with what you're what you're talking about which is 
we either don't get taught or we get taught like really toxic habits around money. So I, I wonder if you could speak to that a little bit. Yeah, it, what you were just speaking of just really resonated with something in my own family. And that was my mom and I are very close. And I never told her with what was going on um, for me at that time. Part of the reason was, which is like kind of a sadder story, but my dad was very sick with cancer and I didn't want this extra layer on her plate. But another reason I didn't tell her what was going on was I didn't want the message from anyone I told to be, oh my God, what, how are you going to do this? I wanted somebody to say, you can do it. When are you going to get busy and do it? And I found that language shift, like when it, once I started, I mean, someone else could look at that number and say, that's just insurmountable. I mean, you got to, you might as well declare a bankruptcy, but I wanted that language to be, you are capable, you are resourceful, you're resilient, go out and make it happen and I'll support you and make it happen. And I think that in my family, my mom would admit to this day, she would have said, pack your bags, sell your place, move in with me because you, you can't do this. Right. I would have uh, had the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think now, I mean, I kept that close to my chest because it was the biggest important piece of my life to make that happen. And just actually before I got on the call with you, I pulled up this, this poem, which I, I won't read, but I just thought for your audience, it's such a good poem. And it talks, this man is watching a butterfly try to make its way out of a cocoon and he watches it try and try and try and it can't get there. It stops. So he clips the cocoon to let the butterfly free and it comes out swollen and shriveled and it never ever can fly. And the whole point was the struggle of that butterfly in the cocoon pushes the blood into its wings, which allows it to fly. And the very helping of it with the best of intentions cripples, cripples that butterfly for life. And that's true. Like, while we like to save people in trouble and we like to say, well, I'm going to rescue you. I know how it doesn't create resiliency. I love that story. That is such a good story. It's so true because the struggle, like literally, it's going to sound cliche, but the struggle is what gives us wings, right? Absolutely. Like we we have to, and, and it's, it's interesting because as you were telling that story, I was thinking about the flip side where people, let's say, have had it good around money, right? How they mm -hmm. maybe grow up, grow up. They've grown up in, <laughs> in abundance. I also didn't learn grammar growing up. Um, they, they, um, they sort of grew up with abundance and it was, you know, maybe handed to them as the saying goes, or it wasn't an issue. And mm -hmm. even that can create a not so great relationship around money. Because again, there hasn't been that that education or that I hate to use the word struggle in that instance because it doesn't have to be a struggle, but there is something magical that happens in that learning that it's uncomfortable and it's oozy and it's yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's good. It is good. Cool. So take us sort of like fast forward because obviously, you know, I, I mentioned when, at the beginning of the call in the intro that you got yourself out of this in relatively, I mean, a short period of time, considering mm -hmm. this was like 77K in debt and presumably you still had expenses. I did. Talk us through that. Like what happened? I heard you got a second job and, and you and the other piece that was really important in there after you came out of the closet with it, so to speak, is that you committed, you actually committed, like, this is it, I'm doing it. Yes. So in order to get that paid, like I said, I, I mean, the change in my energy internally was um, huge. And having people know then, I also had the support on the outside too of people saying, you know, you can do this, you can get through it. So 
I did. I worked for a development company during the day. And then I wanted to figure out what second income I could get that would sort of get me the most amount of money in the shortest amount of time. And I felt that was um, serving, right? I can make tip money. I could fit it in after I was done my job during the day. I had set hours, by the way. Um, sometimes residential real estate can be flexible, but I was working for a developer and had set hours. So I would finish that job during the daytime and I would jet across town and um, serve at night. So I, I can even recall a time like I would sell, you know, a penthouse, say in this building to, to a client and I would put my best professional foot forward as this uh, real estate representative. And then I would jet across town to go serve in this pub that was in this five-star hotel and guess who's sitting in front of me? that same client. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, you know, and I, God, I don't want it to come across at all. Like I have anything wrong with serving, but it was that I really wanted to present myself that I had succeeded in real estate. So transitioning then into um, serving at night was almost like saying to this person, well, I failed in real estate. And so I need to be here as well. Oh, I so <laughs> hear that. And I so know the pain of that. I, the same almost identical thing happening with me back in 2006 when I started my business because I, I was laid off of my job that was quite secure and, and laid off and I didn't have, I was working for um, the RCMP, for those of you that are listening, that's the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. And I was in there, um, I was working in their special intelligence um, sector. And so I wasn't allowed. I had like top secret clearance. I was not allowed to write on my resume what I did. I, you know, I still can't talk about it to this day by pain of death. But I'm just joking. But, you know, I, I, I couldn't, you know, talk about that on a resume. So I had to make it really kind of generic. So I couldn't find a job. And I thought I've been toying around with this idea of entrepreneurship. So I thought now's as good a time as any. And so I started this job and the same thing, I or this uh, this business, the same thing as you. I wanted to look like the successful business owner so people would trust me and, and have that image. And yet I was still working at a health food store part-time because I had a mortgage to pay. I had just bought a house right before I got laid off and I had a job, uh, or sorry, a car payment. And so I, I totally resonate with that story. It's that sinking like, oh yeah, okay, I'm, you know, it's, and, and, and that goes back to the shame around like admitting or saying like, yeah, like I don't have my shit together in this department and so what? I'm working on it, you know? Yeah, yeah, I still feel, I still feel, not totally comfortable. I, like, is, and that's ridiculous to even say. I still feel like, you know, I have moved past it and I'm so proud of it. I'm thankful for that time in my life. I wouldn't be where I am now, but I still have a little bit of discomfort around, around it for sure. Around which piece? The Around the history, around the history, that, that, yeah. that was me and that I did that and, and, uh, which is just ridiculous, but that's why I can so relate to people that are in the thick of it because I still, feel just a shred of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like, I don't want people seeing pictures of me of when I've weighed 220 pounds, because I, I hate just even knowing that that's where I got to. Yeah. I get it. I totally get it. So this is this is amazing. And I love this conversation that we're having, because, you know, it goes to this point of, in, unless you kind of come out with it and, and admit that you need help, like this actually has gotten out of control. I need help. I need to do something about it. You can't actually 
take the steps to get better with anything in your life until you actually admit that there's a problem. So you you managed to do this. You paid off. Was it a year and 10 months that you, you paid off all of this debt? Yes. So that's like amazing. That just in itself is amazing. And so if you can take us into the practicalities around what you do with your clients, because I know... Um, and you guys will catch uh, Kelly's website on in the show notes, reconcileyourwallet.com. But you you talk in there with your services, and you and I love that you have a specific subsect for self-employed. And I, yeah. God, I wish I saw that before I started my <laughs> business. So because we're not we're not taught that, you know, we're not taught it in our personal finances, and then we go and start a business. So if you can, we can get into some practical things that you walk your individual clients through. I know you work with couples. And then for this other subsect of person like myself, who's an entrepreneur like yourself. Sure. So it's really interesting when I do get going with clients too, because as I started, I would, you know, when you're feeling your way out with people, certain people don't want to let me in too close. And then others will let me into very detailed levels of their finances, like essentially everywhere their money is going. And what I've learned is, the closer they let me get, the more help I've been able to provide mm. because I can actually see what's going on with the cash flow. And one thing I wanted to mention to your listeners was when I started to see how people handle, if they do have a debt, debt, even if it's a little bit of debt, their decisions around the amount they choose to put against it each month, if it's not a regular loan payment, but say you had a line of credit with a you know, a decent amount on it, or even a credit card. They make completely arbitrary decisions about lumping X number of dollars, but there's no rationale behind why, including when if, if they're spending, sometimes it's a debit card and sometimes it's a credit card. And I'd say, well, why'd you make the choice of this or that? And I don't know, there's no purpose behind it. And that gives me insight as to the money isn't aligned with, you know, their, their sort of goals and objectives. So one of the first things that we do when we sit down generally, if they are the type that will let me right in to what's going on, I have them carve out all their expenses. And then we work on an idea of their net income. And as you can imagine, when you're dealing with self-employed people or entrepreneurial people, that's not so cut and dry because there's a lot of volatility year to year. Yes, I do know that as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So that one's a little bit trickier, but we do work through that. But, but the gist of, of, of the point of dealing with the expenses and the income is to see, are we aligned? Do we have a gap? Because what happens is when people carve out their expenses for me, they might say that they've got a, a cell phone to pay for and their internet and their mortgage or their rent and so on. And the very regular bills exist. But if I said to them, well, are you going to go on a vacation this year? Yeah, I think so great. Well, how much do you think in the course of a year you would spend on your vacation, right? They have to start putting some thought into that because if you divide it by 12, whatever the number is, you should factor it in that mm -hmm. that's where the volatility in the cash flow happens is when those things are ignored. And now you go on a, I don't know, a Mexican vacation and you, it's $3,000. It's a huge hit. The easiest way to deal with those big chunks, including Let's say Christmas for those who celebrate can be just a costly month in general, not just gifts, but everything associated with that month, vacations, cars, your car is going to break down. We know that will happen, but people will say to you, well, it was unexpected, but it's not really. We know that it will inevitably need new tires and so on. 
So when those things then come into the expense column, they're added. Even things like pets and vet bills are overlooked. So is that is that something, sorry to interrupt you, that you see like trips people up the most? Like especially that vacation thing, because I used to do the opposite, which is I wouldn't factor it in and then I wouldn't like sometimes just go on it anyway and, and, and spend the money. I'd, I'd live the whole year going, I can't afford it. I can't afford it. I can't afford it. Rather than if I had stopped at the beginning of the year, yeah. you know, I could. So is that what trips people up? Is that like not planning ahead? Yeah. Plan for the unplanned and finding sort of your North star. Like if you said to somebody, I think that may change a lot for me. What do you want? You don't, if all of us wake up every morning and what we're working for so hard God knows how many hours a week and you roll out of bed and you're saying like you just said, I can't afford it. What's the point? Like, so when you get super clear on, I'd like a vacation and I think it's going to cost this much. Like you said, if you start in January and say, I'm tucking away $200, it's so much easier to swallow than 3000 or whatever it ends up to be. Mm-hmm. So the clearest example for me in my own head when it kind of clicked was I used to pay my car insurance. Um, I would finance it through like where I live. You could take the year amount and then they'd finance it for you. So you got, you have this monthly payment. Yeah. But all of a sudden I started to think, well, hang on a second. A, when I have a monthly payment, they are dictating to me when I have to give up that money. And when I'm self-employed, sometimes I have a lot and sometimes I have a little. It works better for me if I knew I have an entire year to save it. Some months I'm going to put more and some months less. So in order to get out of that cycle of paying their monthly bill, for one year I had to double up. I pay them once, but then in a bank account over here, I'm going to put that same amount. So the next time it comes up, I have the full amount, and now my saving for the subsequent year is in my favor. I get to pick how much and when I save. And you're paying less, right? Because you're not financing it. You're financing it to yourself, so there's not an interest or a, a payment on top of that. That's right. And those little amounts, like for me in that case, that first time I kind of looked at that, it was only $50 in the course of the entire year. But when you start looking everything in your life like that, it really compounds. It makes a huge difference. And I want to pick out too, another thing that you said in there, which was really, I heard was really important is clarity and knowing what your desires are. So often when I'm coaching entrepreneurs and I I coach um, a lot of entrepreneurs and and in particular a lot of coaches, they say, well, I want to make six figures this year. And it's like, okay, great. Why? You know, for what? And it's like, what do you mean for what? I just want to make it. Well, but for what? Like, what are you going to use it for? So it's so interesting that you pointed out that piece of clarity and desire because it's like, great, pick a number, but you're picking it out of the air and you're not really saying to yourself, oh, I actually, I want to take two vacations this year. Mm -hmm. Or I, you know, I I want to actually, I need to buy a new car or I need, so when the money starts to have a purpose and a desire behind it, it's, and this is in my experience, but I, I want to hear your opinion on this. Do you hear, do you see that it's actually creating it or finding room for it is actually easier? Absolutely. It makes all the difference in the world because I think what you just said that you ask your clients is similar to some conversations I have, which is uh, many of us are working hard because we want to get there. We want to retire. And some people are working so many hours in a week that you said, okay, tomorrow I'll hand you a check for a million dollars or you win the lottery or you inherit it. 
what does your life look like? What do you love? Do you golf? Do you ride your bike, hike, vacation, volunteer? What does the money mean? Because that's just it. If you, I mean, one of the things for me I could say is I always was working weekends and I found that my family doesn't live where I live. And so important to me was I want four times of the year to be able to fly home and see them. So now we look at the money. What do I, what kind of money do I need to do that? And now I start trimming where I don't care. Like A, and maybe, I don't know, cable might be getting more and more arbitrary, but I went, I'd rather not have cable and then have a flight once a year to see my family. Like you get really dialed in for what you want to fund and what you don't want to fund. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. So what other, something just came up for me there when you were talking, right? It's that, that what that triggers in, in me is that either, that either or thing that people resist, right? Like, I don't want to, I don't want to give up my cable. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to have both and. I don't want to, I don't want to live an either or life. And I, I believe, you know, abundance mentality and, and wealth consciousness as the, as it were, is not an either or. I believe that is it is a both and. And I also believe that there's the real practicalities. Like we can't live in cloud cuckoo land where we're just like, no, I want to have both. And, you know, we're kind of stamping our feet like little children. So how do you work with that with people that are in a real situation and yet there's that resistance, which I'm sure because you said when you sat down with that friend of yours, you kind of like there was some pushback, right? Because it's like, oh, mm-hmm. I don't want to give that up. So mm-hmm. how do we deal with that within ourselves? Well, I think generally, if you looked at all the expenses a person has, sometimes they're things that don't feel like elimination. They might be realigning. They might be choosing a different service, providing the same thing just to free up money. But I also think that for entrepreneurs, this is an easier one, I believe. But you either have to earn more money or spend less or it's a bit of both. So if you decide that there's something that's super important to you that as it currently stands, you can't afford then what do you need to do to drive your business forward to get the income a little higher? Um, For myself, when I was working more of a, I mean, I had set hours, but I was selling things online on the side and, you know, working the two jobs. Like you start to, it's almost like you start to get really creative when you know what it is that you want to go after. I love that. I love that because it speaks to resourcefulness, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's not about the resources you have. It's about your ability to get resourceful. That's right. And the second you don't have someone to help you, you're kind of like your backs against the wall. You get really creative. I did have someone ask me once about, uh, the question was about increasing a credit card limit and whether they should do it. And of course it's, it's case by case, but I said to the person, I I didn't think they should. And the reason I said that was if their car broke down and you have extra room on that credit card, you're going to use it. But if you don't have it, if you don't have a net, I feel like you truly find out what you're made of because you're just forced to figure it out. Yeah, so true. So true. I I was um, looking at, you know, speaking of these, like the safety nets and things, I was was looking at your website and, and when I caught that you also counsel or coach rather couples. And I I know because I, I was a child in a couple that lived financially like stressed all the time. And then later when I was with my, my fiance and we were living together, 
you know, I then, we were different mentality. It wasn't that stressful, but it's always like the thing, right? It's always mm-hmm. the question mark. It's always, it's the biggest thing couples fight about. It's the biggest stressor on any relationship. And so how is it different for you working with couples rather than an individual who, let's say, is the master of their own resourcefulness? It's a great question. Couples, yet yeah, can be absolutely challenging, uh, for sure. <laughs> um, of course, imagine. there's, there, you know, there's many reasons why. Like, there's um, income discrepancies between them. Um, there can be one sort of takes it all on, and one's left, you know, just being trusting of the other person. And I don't mean trusting by there's anything funny going on, but they just that's the, the other person's role. Right. They abdicate that responsibility to the correct, other person. Correct. Which, by the way, I mean, that can be a whole other topic, but that's just... Yeah, that's so... a whole other show, ladies. So we're going to we're gonna get into that and, and in another show, for sure. That's right. That's, uh, yeah, that's... But, um, I mean, the key is, if couples reach out to me, that's great news for me because that's showing that the two people have an interest in working on this together. So that's the great first step. Those that aren't reaching out, Uh, one is maybe completely uninterested. So the fact that they've been touch base with me is wonderful, but they certainly need common ground. And I think what I hear from couples is each person will have where they want to spend or money, sort of like the frivolous money. I mean, the money needs to go to the rent and the, you know, turning on the lights and so on and groceries and so on. But usually each person can feel satisfied and fulfilled if their own unique thing, their hobby Um, one likes to buy clothing, if each person gets a piece of that, that can really help in aligning uh, the other financial goals that the couple might have. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. And it's interesting when you discussed the having, you know, the different resources coming in. So one could be making more than the other. But what came to me was also like their relationship to money could also be very different. Like I look at my own parents and even when I was living with with my ex, we each had a different relationship around money. Like one was a spender and one wasn't a spender. My dad was afraid and constantly in fear around money and my mother was a little less. So how does that, how do, how do you personally get into that and how do you start to affect that change or what advice would you give let's say if a woman comes to you and says well my my husband's totally stingy he doesn't let me spend money on anything and and my financial goals are different I think it would again it's similar to an individual just in the sense that while individuals have their own kind of like guiding north star you have to work between the two to find out the one thing that they're both driving toward like what is the end goal is it is it retirement is it because I think once you have a clear picture around the money needed for whatever that driving light or North North Star is, um, anything in ex- excess of that perhaps can be more free. Like if someone is stingy, I think if they stingy, that sounds awful, but <laughs> that can help them as long as they know that that one goal is being serviced or fulfilled, then perhaps it can help them lessen the reins on the rest of the financial picture but it is about having a conversation to find something that they're both driving toward I love that because it speaks to that same point of finding clarity right what is your value and having clarity around that value and what it is that you want to create or use the money for because I find a lot of people are arbitrarily freaking out about money 
or not planning, like you said, because they don't they don't know the end, right? Like Stephen Covey has that quote of, you know, start with the end in mind and they don't do that. So and I did that. I was constantly like, I don't have the money to do that. I don't have the money to do that. I don't mm-hmm. I don't have it. I don't have it. And then when I would actually sit down, I was like, oh, actually, no, I, I do have the money to do that. <laughs> or yeah. I actually, no, I can create the money to do that. I'm, it's okay. And so, yeah, I love it that it goes back to that point of being clear with what it is that you want to create, what it is that you desire. In, in the case of a couple, like what are your values? Right? I have, I might have a value for a lot of like, you know, spare time or vacations, but maybe your value is on something else. And how can we create a compromise in that? Yeah. And uh, this is taking away from, Um, from couples for just a moment, but something you just said made me think of this as well. One thing I work on with people, which does take, does take some time for sure, but often with self-employed people in particular, there's such a fear around money because they don't know the next time they're going to get paid. So they get really like, sometimes I'll have clients that have like an obscene amount sitting in their checking account and they're petrified. They are terrified to spend because maybe they need it for a year. So one thing we try to work on too in those particular cases, and and this could be true for couples as well, the fear is usually driven from something. So for self-employed people, it's driven from when's that next pay thing. And what you just said too was that you started to, to realize yourself, well, I can create that money. I can figure it out. Like if it got tough again, I can get out there and make it happen. And that's what, what we try to do is we try to set aside one month or two months of income or anything beyond the one or two months once we have it built, and that does take a lot of time. But once it's there, then the excess money can be guided towards goals, or if there's debt, it can go to get debt once we have two months in front of us. And that starts to dissipate the fear once there's sort of a plan in place. I love that you just brought that in because having fear around money or your money situation in my experience and and in most of the experience of people I witness is the very thing that actually makes it worse. Absolutely. (laughs) So it's, it's, yes, it's about resourcefulness. Yes, it's about getting clear with what you need and what you have to create. But if you're living in a constant state of fear, which I have known almost my entire life, you know, like, like I said, up until like quite recently, It was that constant like thing. Part of that was because of my spiritual journey. It was part of my faith muscle that I developed. It was part of my spiritual practice that helped me kind of pop that fear bubble. Actually, I would say not part. That's probably 90% of it for me. And the other 10% of it was realizing that I can get resourceful and I, I can trust. But to speak to that fear point, when you're in fear, you act, you have absolutely zero, zero ability of getting resourceful. Because when you're in fear, when you're in survival mode, when you're in fight or flight, you literally, the parts of your brain that are designed to help you with creative thinking, shut down. Mm-hmm. They just shut down. They don't mm-hmm. work because your body's conserving energy in case you got to run away from that saber-toothed tiger. And so it shuts down your ability to actually find the answers much like with yourself you know your friend had to sit you down and and like paint it all out to you because you'd been living in fear for so long Mm -hmm. all it did was perpetuate 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 and isn't that interesting because just as you said the second I had that support of you can do it the fear began to dissipate and I began to work towards making it happen the energy started to shift 
Yeah, just by having that. So mm-hmm. that's a great point too, because one of your, to your point that you didn't want to share it with your mother, which I have very rarely, if ever, and, and on pain of the most amount of shame ever, shared with my parents when I've been in financial crisis. And I have, I've had to a couple of times and I, I know the shame around it was horrible, you know, mm-hmm. but that because that you don't want to hear that like, oh, well, look what you've gone and done or, <laughs> or you don't want to tell your friend and your friend, you know, oh my God, you know, gasp. It's, yeah. You want to ha- sit down with someone like yourself, like your friend who is, is going to say, okay, like this is totally doable. Mm-hmm. Let's break this down. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, what a great conversation. I'm really, I'm really liking all of this. Can you give us, we're sort of rounding up on our time here. Can you give us and our, our listeners any more practical tips and tools, you know, how to get yourself to that place where you can finally like admit this? You know, you said something really cool at the beginning when you said, uh, referenced my own kind of journey. It's like when you're ready, you're ready, right? There, and there's yeah. also divine timing. So if you can speak a little bit more around any of, and it might not even be practical tips at that point, but it's really kind of getting yourself out of the fear and getting yourself into action around these areas. So uh, well, I'll give you a few practical tips and just some information that I feel will get that ball rolling. So if, if there's anyone out there that that was similar to me, which is sort of holding this big secret and nobody knows about it. In order to move forward and tell someone, I think finding out who that person could be and the person you're going to tell, I mean, figuring out, working through in your head, who's around you, who's the right person that you can share it with if it's a scary thing to share. And I think the important thing is to, to find someone that isn't a rescue person, isn't somebody that's going to bail you out because the journey oh, of getting your... I think it's important because I think that's right. I mean, when it comes to finances, not there's not everyone that could bail out, but there are a lot of people that think that's helping. And I can tell you that the journey of getting through it is the most empowering thing that you can do for yourself. So that would be the one thing I would say. I think it's very important to share it, but I think it's very important to be very clear about who, who or whom that uh, person will be. Um, Secondly, I think getting busy with getting back on track is learning a lot about personal finance. So reading everything you can learn and having a look at what are your expenses and what are your income and is there a gap? And then secondly would be, you know, what are your goals? Do Does your, your financial picture, your expenses and so on and your income support the bigger goals that you have? Because I think once those become clear and you know the number or the financial picture in regards to the goals that you might have, you start to get more and more clear and get more alignment in what it is you're trying to do. I am a big, huge believer in budgeting. I know there are people in the finance world who think that's silly. I don't know how it can be done without a budget. So that's something I think um, is absolutely crucial to get back on track. Great, great points that you mentioned there. And I especially love your first two points um, because it speaks to the fact that, and I hope everyone that's listening really gets this, somebody needs to earn the right to the gift of your vulnerability. Mm -hmm. So choose wisely the person who you can be this vulnerable and this raw with. And the second half of that point, which I really loved was 
don't find an enabler, you know, don't find that person who's going to rescue you because, you know, that that can be the easy way out and you're not going to learn the lesson. So I, I love especially that you brought those extra two points in along with uh, everything else that you said. Oh my gosh, I could I I could literally go on with this topic, especially the the part about couples and and you know where women kind of disempower themselves in particular around money in relationships and I just feel like that is the topic of a whole other show. So maybe maybe Kelly you can come back for that one. I would love to. Yeah, that's that's the topic that I think our listeners would also get such uh value out of and it's it's the one that kind of, it's the nut for me. I just, I hear it so often mm-hmm. uh, with women who are not valuing themselves in relationship, you know, because they're not the earner or they're not making so much. And it's, you know, vice versa. It works both ways as well. So yeah, that feels like the topic of a whole other show. And, and I'd love to have you back for that. Wonderful. I'd love it. Thank you. Yeah, Kelly, it was so great to have you on the show. I I love that you brought this topic to my audience. And like I mentioned to all of you, all the show notes will be complete with a website that you can check out Kelly's work. Kelly, once again, God bless you. And thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your wisdom today. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in and keep rising everyone for books and resources related to today's episode make sure you head over to sherisespodcast.com and i'll see you there if you've enjoyed today's episode make sure you tune back in next week when i dive into more juicy topics to help make your life the best it can be and hey if you've enjoyed listening to the show and you'll love it head on over to itunes and leave me a rate and review and subscribe there to the show 